The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth quake. But the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We have seen in the prophet Joel how the Lord stands in opposition against his own people, for his own people had turned their back on him in rebellion, in open idolatry. And so we see the Lord arrayed in might against his people with the army of innumerable locusts and grasshoppers, this great army sweeping down from the north with the teeth of a lion and fangs of a lioness. And yet, in our text this evening, we hear not these roaring, but the Lord himself roaring. The Lord roaring from Zion, not against his people any longer, but now for them and against the nations. As the Lord sent his locust army on, it went ravaging the land of wheat and vineyard until it was, as it were, at the very gates. Their doom was upon them. And in that very moment, the Lord was merciful. He said, Yet even now, return to me. Return to me with fasting and weeping and mourning. Return to me not with mere external show. Not merely by painting the ashes of Ash Wednesday upon your forehead. Not merely by rending your garments, but by rending your hearts, by painting your very hearts with the ashen sign of the cross. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And the people to whom Joel speaks, do indeed turn and return. The Lord sees the fasting. He sees the weeping and mourning. He sees the hearts rent with sorrow. And Joel says that he once again becomes jealous for his people, jealous with that intense, passionate love of a husband for his wife, Yahweh for his people. Can what the locusts devoured be restored? Indeed, it can be restored. And thus he goes to setting about that restoration. We can see the text of Joel begin to take on a timeless characteristic, to speak even to us 
how he restores what the judgment of God and the curse of God have destroyed and removed. When that judgment of God and curse of God fall upon God, the very Son of God, and him crucified, then the wheat is restored infinite fold as bread that is his very body, and the vineyards restored infinite fold unto wine that is his very blood, that by oil of anointing and the waters of holy baptism and by bread that is his body and wine that is his very blood, he might feed you and all of his people unto eternal life, that you might be his own treasured possession among all the nations, even now. And upon the cross is precisely where we see as he bows his head in death that he traditios, that he hands over his Holy Spirit, pouring out his Holy Spirit upon all flesh, that there might be dreams and visions and prophecies, that there might be Pentecost, and that continued anointing that falls upon all the people of the world through the waters of holy baptism up unto the very present. Joel directs our attention in chapter 3 to something that might sound a bit alien to us, when in fact, though, it shouldn't. He calls all the nations to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There is a play on words here and some complicated history I won't get into. But suffice it to say, Jehoshaphat means the judgment of Yahweh. He is calling all the nations to gather to the valley of the judgment of Yahweh. From where do these nations come? This is the history we need to re-familiarize ourselves with. Go back and reread Genesis 9, 10, and 11 with the same intensity with which we read Genesis 3. And there we'll find that immediately after the flood, coming out into the new post-Diluvian world, are Noah and his three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And from these three sons come all the nations, all the families of the earth that exist even to this present day. In one way, shape, or form, you can trace your own lineage back to these men. God had said unto Noah and unto these three men precisely what he had said to Adam. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But their rebellion was almost immediate. Instead of multiplying and filling the earth to have dominion over it, they all congealed into one place that they might have one name and one ziggurat, one tower through which they could ascend unto the heavens themselves. 
Whereas God would have had them dispersed, they gathered together as one and built that Tower of Babel. So God disinherits these people. They were once his. They are his no longer. He disinherits them and scatters them into, according to the Hebrew Masoretic text, 70 nations, or according to the later Greek translation of that text, into the 72 nations. Interesting, isn't it, that when our Lord Jesus first calls disciples, he calls 12, 12 for the 12 tribes of Israel. But also, depending upon the manuscript, either 70 or 72. And now you see, if nothing else, the symbolism in this number that he calls and sends forth to bear witness of him, as it were, unto the 70 or 72 nations. When our Lord teaches his disciples and us to pray to the Father, thy kingdom come, we are praying that this kingdom, this nation that belongs to Jesus would be manifest and that from all the nations of the earth, faithful would come forth, faithful people would come forth and change their allegiance from whatever earthbound nation they belong to, to this nation that is ruled by Christ the one crowned in thorns. And indeed, as we gather under him in his kingdom, in his nation, we see then how the stage is set for that of which Joel is speaking. It is the nation of Yahweh set against all the other nations who oppose Yahweh. And so Yahweh taunts them. He calls them to the valley of Jehoshaphat that they themselves might be judged who would render judgment against him, who would treat his people shamefully, who would take sons and daughters and use them as currency for the most disgusting of goods and services. And so the Lord taunts the nations and says to them, consecrate for war. Stir up all your mighty men. Get your men of war to draw near. Beat your plowshares into swords, your pruning hooks into spears. Hasten and come let even the weak come and say, I am a warrior. Every last man, woman, and child, bring all you can muster against me and my people. And then Joel assembles the other side. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Angels, 
archangels, the whole company of heaven, and the saints on earth, the church militant. We stand for that glorious final battle. Put in the sickle, the Lord finally says to we who are those of peace, go in and tread the winepress until it is full. He says to those of us who are gentle, Multitudes, multitudes have come to the valley of decision. And the day of the Lord is at hand. The sun and the moon are darkened. The stars are withdrawing. They're shining. It is time, finally, for that final battle. And at that very moment, it is the Lord who roars like the Lion of Judah. It is this roaring that undoubtedly entered the minds of the evangelists when they wrote that the Lord Jesus, atop Zion, from the heights of Israel, bowed his head in death, but he did so not with a whimper, not with a sigh, not with a groan, but with a loud roar. With a triumphal shout, he gives himself into death that he might destroy death. And now what will those nations do against him and against his people when the very worst thing that this world can do to you is put you to death? He, by his death, has destroyed that very thing. And this is why Joel says that he roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth are quaking and shaking, but not the Lord's people. The Lord is a refuge to his people and a stronghold to the people of Israel. A refuge and a stronghold. So when you see the nations raging and warring against one another, when you see Christians persecuting, when you see what looks to be loss after loss for the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of our God, Remember that appearances are deceiving. And in due time, the Lord will roar and terrify the kingdoms of the earth. And in that very act and in that very moment, he will shelter us as our refuge and stronghold. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.